All right, I'd ask that uh, before, if, if, if you have sat down, looks like most of you have sat down, I'm actually going to ask that you, uh, out of reverence for God's Word, if you would stand, if you're able to, uh, as we read our text for today. This is going to come out of John 1, verses 9 through, um, through 13. I may just get a nice running start here, start in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Now the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So as we open our, uh, as we open our Bible, you know, if we're reading all the way from the first page, the first thing we read here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we hear that the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. In the beginning, God created his kingdom. Uh, we, we, we just got out of a series in Genesis, and regardless if you were in that series or not, what happens in Genesis is that God creates this, this, this creator God, this king of everything. He creates his dominion. He creates the world around him. He creates his subjects, and then he creates them not simply as subjects. He creates them as images, as a king would, to show that he is the ruler, that, that when we go around the world, we can see evidence of the king through his subjects, through his images. And we know that we are in his kingdom. And he gave us a purpose in this kingdom. He gave us rules in this kingdom. And he didn't have to do this, but he made a covenant in this kingdom of love where he commits to his people and they commit to him and there is a relationship bound by law there. A lot of time passes from the first page of the book of the Bible until we get to John 1 but in John 1, we read, in the beginning, God sent the king. He sent and established the king. And that's what we read about in the book of John. We read about this king taking his throne. Now, the language of king and kingdom is, is there in the book of John. But we see it even in John 1, the first chapter. If we just leave it here, that there is something bigger than us happening. There is someone huge that is here, and he's not simply here to rule and dominate. That is one thing, but he's here to heal. He's here to give hope. He's here to be that king that we've always longed for. Uh, we, just, we just read that in the, in the Advent uh, wreath scripture, that when all is done, this king will put away the oppressor and will sit on his throne. I don't know about you, but I get kind of teary. The more years that I, that I have under me, which isn't that many, the more I continue to say, come Lord Jesus, be that king, be that. We want that kingdom. I've had, I've had some great success in areas of life and they've never matched what I thought the kingdom would be. I've had some pretty rough stuff in life. It's very obvious that that's not what kingdom I want to live in. No matter where you're at, you and I feel the kingdom always. The prophet Zechariah, right before we turn into the New Testament, the prophet Zechariah, he says this. All the prophets are saying stuff like, 
like this. But he says very pointedly, Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Now in John, we have the author writing and he cites Zechariah 9. So even John is understanding something is up. This king is coming. And as poetic as scripture is, he doesn't actually use the term king here. He uses a couple other words. He uses the word word. He uses uh, the words light to describe. And not simply light, any light. He's the true light. And so I'd, I want to invite you into this just as I kind of reflect on this and see what are these verses here for us is, is that um, we want a kingdom. I think our life shows that we want a kingdom. And this text here is going to show us in a very, a very uh, illustrative way that, uh, that we can have access. We can enter that kingdom, but it only comes through faith in the word, in the light, in Jesus Christ. So I've got a, a three points here, just kind of taking this, you know, uh, this, this short text you know, apart. Uh, the, three, the three bullet points, maybe, to help us to wrap our minds around a very small bit of who Jesus is. Uh, point one would be know him uh, on his terms. Know him on his terms. I think if you want to write out the full outline, it's know him, receive him, believe him. Uh, so that's, uh, that's our outline for today. So the first one here, verses 9 and 10. Know him on his terms. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. That sounds like a little bit of a riddle. Let's slow down. Uh, he was in the world. This is the world that he created. We read this in John 1, 3. All things were made through him, and without him not anything was made that was made. So he is the one binding this together. And the world was made through him, that agrees, yet the world did not know him. I think that's an interesting one. He made something. He was very intentional with making it. And I feel like if the creator God, first of everything uncreated being, made something, it would be easy to say, well, yeah, <laughs> I know you. Yeah, yeah, that is really big. Uh, but they didn't. And instead of, you know, wag your fingers at, at, at the people of the past, I'd rather ask the question, how does the world continue to not know him? How do we continue to not know him? I think it's a very similar thing. How do we not know him? I think the root of that is knowing, and it would be a lack of knowledge. So how do we not get the knowledge that we need? I mean, it's something that I just got a whole bunch of words to, to maybe, maybe help here. Is maybe it's this idea of, of this, this, we lack a synthetic theology, a theology that, that bleeds over into other things. Uh, maybe a better way to say it is we have a, a compartmentalized faith. Um, I've got a picture here that I stole from a t-shirt I found online because that's where my research goes, huh? Um, it was a good day. Uh, the, uh, uh, this is compartmentalization. Apparently, we love cats in this one. Um, we do this a lot, uh, you know, with, with, with things like sleep, with chores, with work. I think there's one back there with politics, uh, with our pets and books. There's a way that we go about life that's very compartmentalized. Um, and Jesus comes into the world, and the world was not known to him. Jesus is like the ultimate compartment breaker. Um, and, and what he's doing here is he's breaking that down. On one level, I want to take this to our, to our everyday, but I, I kind of want to hang it up here just in the thought that's happening. So common to Jesus' world, first century Roman Empire, is this, this, this 
philosophy, this, this worldview, this system of thought uh, of Gnosticism. One of these things in, in Gnosticism, it, it has this kind of compartmentalization of things. Uh, so there are these two compartments. Good and evil is a pretty easy one. We have a similar one like that. Uh, but they also had this other compartments that, that, that were overlain, and there was, there was, what did I say, good over here and evil over here. There was the immaterial world, which is like the world of stuff, or the world of ideas, sorry, the immaterial world, the world of ideas, and then there's like this evil world, which is the, 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 uh, the material world, the world of stuff. So the world of ideas is really good, and the world of stuff, of, of the physical stuff, is really bad. Uh, is evil. And so that sounds like, okay, who cares? What's the difference? If you chase that as they did, that totally changes how you interact with everything. Here's one lingering of that that we get. Uh, so the stuff over here, the bad, was that right? The bad is over on this side. Um, is, uh, is, is We get this notion of like blue-collared work, the stuff where you're working with the earth, you're working, working with, with the ground, plumbers, construction, um, that kind of a thing is sometimes is bad. We see that as, as lesser, as less virtuous of a job to get. And then you get this white-collar thing, professors, the people who are all in the ideas, right? Pastors, professors, lawyers, you know, bankers, like that. Like, you're, you're way up there. You're in things that we can't actually touch, and you're, you're good. You're more virtuous. It's a more noble calling. And we get that. That's a lingering that we have. And Jesus comes into the world. That's the thing that that's changes here, because this Gnostic idea is, is this Gnosticism is, is a big deal. And then we read the text, and all these boxes get really confusing and, and, and hard to compartmentalize because we read that Jesus came into the world. You can't handle that idea in this thought. Like here, let me paint it out for us here a bit. Um, so Jesus who we now know, he comes down and he says, I am, I am fully man, evil, and fully God, good. <laughs> what do we do with this guy? I'm going to leave heaven, good, and come down to earth, evil, so that I can save people, evil, and take them to heaven and call them good. And the people of his time say, yeah, that doesn't fit in the box. <laughs> And Jesus says, yeah, I know. <laughs> you need to get yourself a different box. You need to do something different. You know, it's almost though he says, I, I don't want to chase this one too far. Every, every, every analogy has, you know, a bit of a breakdown uh, to it, and this might be pushing pretty close to one. It's almost as though Jesus says, yeah, 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 forget the boxes here. I'm the moving truck. Like, like all of your little compartments of life are there. Like, I'm, I'm bigger than this. Like, you're, 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 you're inside my plan. I know where it's going. I'm going to take it there. And so you can just play with how to compartmentalize this, but, but the whole thing's moving. You just need to step back and see this is bigger than anything you've ever thought of. Now, what does this mean for us? So on the one side, we get this, when we look into the text, we say, wow, nice job, Jesus. You blew apart all those guys who thought the wrong way, right? Now, we do this. We do this. We compartmentalize things. Maybe we're not thinking on this like good, evil scale of, of whether I work you know, with, the, with the earth or with the ideas, like whatever. We're not thinking that. But we compartmentalize a lot of different things. We compartmentalize uh, definitely our faith. We compartmentalize our relationship. That's maybe a little easier. We compartmentalize relationships. The way that I interact with anyone somewhere shows what my theology is, what I believe of God. The words that I choose when I interact with my coworkers may be different than, than, than the things I talk about or, or the motives I have when I'm at home. 
or with my, with my spouse, or with my kids, or when I'm at church. Now, I mean, there's, it's always fun, you know, I think it's an easy one, it's a silly one, but good for pastors to say, like, are you doing the same thing on Sunday morning as every other day? And I think that's all right, but as a pastor, I always roll my eyes, because I'm like, are you joking me, a worship service like this? Like, this took a whole bunch of things happening, this isn't happening at work. Um, so, the idea, though, is your heart. Are you compartmentalizing the motives and the truths that you cling to here? Because the motives that we are clinging to here aren't really that graspable, right? But that sometimes we go and we, and we just use our, our coworkers or we use our, our neighbors or our friends or our kids as, as pawns to our game in a way that we do not see the gospel saying. So it's not just a thought exercise. This means something for our everyday lives. It's hard for us to truly know who God is if we don't acknowledge that we have boxes, that we try and put him in these boxes, that we want him to be the vindictive fighter who will go out with a vengeance when someone offends us. But we pray that he is the loving refuge when we've wronged somebody. You can't just put him in the boxes. He's both, and he's always I speak heavily because I'm halfway preaching to myself here. Know him on his terms. Let's keep moving along here. Uh, The other one then, uh, I think, is uh, we get into the next verse, verse 11. Receive him as the true light. We read, the true light was coming into the world and then picking up in verse 11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. All right. Uh, His own people were the Jewish people. Jesus was born and raised a Jew and they believed in all of this Old Testament stuff. Much of it we've just, or not much of it, some of it we've read all pointing to this Messiah who's going to come and save. So then the light of the world, the true light comes in and says, hey, me, I'm here, this is it. And they say, hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. So there are a couple of things that happen here. They, they, it says they did not receive him. Let me go this direction because it's Christmas week. It's, uh, it's really easy to think through this. They did not receive him. To receive means that you, it is the right thing to do when you receive a, a gift. When something is given, you receive it. And so that's the language. So I'm, I'm slowing that down. That sounds simple, but sometimes we make the Bible and Bible reading way too complicated. If it says, receive him, it means something is given to you. And we have to ask this question, what is given? John 3.16, staying in John, John 3.16 answers this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we are given something and we need to receive it. Now we're finding that the Jews who had heard that this servant, this Messiah would be given, are having problems with it. Now, I don't know if, if, you, if your family's like mine, um, when you give gifts. Uh, yeah, so sometimes we give gifts, a lot of times we give gifts, and then we, we give gifts with like uh, an explanation. Um, uh, we give a gift, uh, and we give, uh, we give a, a gift receipt, we give, a, uh, we give an excuse, we give an apology. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, got you this, I got you this gift, because I know that you like music and I thought that an iPod would be really cool. You know, I guess who wants an iPod right now, but that was a horrible example. Um, this is an example from a decade ago. Um, the uh, not this week. Uh, 
The, uh, or you say, you know, I, I, I know you like ah, that color, but I wasn't quite sure. Here's a gift receipt, just in case. Um, if you guys do that, please. I'm not the only one here, right? We, we apologize for our gifts. Uh, and then you even like, I don't even know what to give them. I'm just going to give them a gift card. Uh, and, and there's this weird thing we do with the gifting. Um, and and what, what's happening, I'm like going to totally ruin gifting this week. What we're doing when we do that is we're like, we're like trying to get behind this like lens that we, we, we think this person like has this view of like, you know, like what, what offerings are you bringing to me? Like that's not exactly what we do, but we like treat it that way. And what we need to do is like get behind that lens and be like, okay, here's the story of how I love you and how this gift is my love. <laughs> and I hope they hear that because then, you know, the exchange happens there in the awkward, you know, Christmas exchange, however you do that. Um, we're trying to like tailor their heart before they receive it. You know, and we kind of do that thing, right? Well, that kind of happens here. Sorry if that completely ruined everything and you have to go exchange all of your gifts today because you've been, <laughs> not my intent here. Um, now that's exactly what God's people uh, did, what the Jews did. They, they, they're kind of that person that, with that lens. They're looking through a, a certain lens and they're not able to step around and see the bigger picture there. You see, God gave them what they wanted but they didn't receive it because they, they, they weren't able to see it. They, they, they were up to, oh, here we go. This is helpful. Pictures. Uh, you got a stained glass window? There we go. They're up to one of these panes on a stained glass window, and they're saying, this is Jesus. They, they weren't saying this is Jesus. They were saying this is the Messiah, and this is the one who's going to come. This is the one who's going to do everything, and they're looking through this. You know, some of them were looking through, you know, Peter, Simon Peter. He's looking through, like, the warrior lens, and he's like, well, this guy's going to come and clean house, you know, and then there's some other guys that are coming and saying, this one's going to be the ultimate teacher, and they're, get, they're so close to this stained glass window, they're looking out, and they're like, is he coming, is he coming, is he on there, and that's what they're doing, that they don't even see this when the true light is there, they can't, because they see the true light, but it's through that weird lens, so I just want to kind of drop that down, I'm like in very picture mode right now, uh, the first point that I made to know him Oftentimes, we don't know Jesus because we want to know him on our terms. We want him to be that thing. We, we wanted like a perfect husband, wonderful prince, mighty warrior, something like that. Wonderful counselor, comforter, whatever. We wanted that, and when he doesn't show us that, we reject those aspects of him. And in doing so, we don't actually know who he is. You take all of Jesus not just parts of Jesus. So that's the first point I want to make. I want to make sure that's very clear. And that what I'm doing here now is, 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 is explaining that it's not just belief that gets you to Jesus. You can't just look at a stained glass window and say, hey, look at that. I'm seeing red Jesus or blue Jesus or yellow. I, and it's all there, right? You have to see the true light, not just light or its effect, the true light. And so what we need to do as we're looking through these lenses, is we need to, to, to back away and see this. So I'll give an example here. Still saying in John, because he talks about this. He says, he came to his own, but his own did not uh, understand him. I'm going to be in John 8, and just I'm going to summarize this uh, kind of in a story, story fashion here. If you want to follow along, you can. Uh, John 8, 39, don't feel the need to. This, this, this conversation of who, who's, whose children are we comes up. And this is a really big deal. Like right now, I don't know if it's a big, big deal. It's, I feel like we have more like allegiance to sports teams than we do to like family. Um, so just go with that, whatever your big allegiance is. Um, 
That's it. It was a big deal for them uh, back then of, of what their lineages was, especially when you say, I'm a child of Abraham. That's a big, huge thing. I feel like that one still stands today. And so they asked this question because he's saying, you're going to be a child of God, right? We just read that in, in, in our text today. And then they said, wait, 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 but we're children of Abraham. And we do what he does. And so this, this conversation comes up. And Jesus says to the Jews, so if the sons set you free, you will be freed indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, as you keep telling me, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. And then I would, I would maybe spin that a little and say, finds no place in your view of who I should be. I speak of what I've seen from my father, so outside of the stained glass window approach, and you do what you've heard from your father. See, what happens, he's saying, you, you Jews, you, you heard the right stuff. You understood that, that all these things, God was pointing to me, and then you're like, this is sweet, let's paint a, win- a window of this. Let's like make this something that we can like celebrate, and it's beautiful, and you did that, and you got in on it, and then it was good, and it was done, and then you kind of just kept looking, and have you ever painted a room, and all of a sudden your eyes like turn that color, and you walk out of the room, and everything's super weird? They're just so close. They didn't come back for perspective. They just stayed in, and they say, no, Abraham, 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 Abraham. He's like, but you forgot. What was Abraham? And this is kind of going back to the story. He says, but if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works of Abraham did. It's like, the, the children do the things of Abraham, which is excellent teaching for parents. Like, this is great. You need to be in John 8 and ask this question. Are we raising our children the way that children are assumed in here? That they just do what we do? And he says, if you were, if you were the children of Abraham, you would be doing what Abraham did. What did Abraham do? And he was credited as righteous because of his faith. Because you, he had faith. Like you got so close, you painted a picture of Abraham, and you're looking for the Messiah through the lens of Abraham, and Abraham kind of already told you that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm here and he had faith in this God. Where's your faith? And then they get into this, this little thing. I don't know. Jesus, he always gets offensive. Um, he, turns, he turns the corner. He says, but, but you are actually doing what your father, who your father is. You're actually over on this pane of the window looking for something. And it's not God. You're not seeing God as your father. And then he kind of I don't know if he digresses. He just goes to an awkward place and he's like, your father is the devil, which never actually goes well in any context. And it doesn't with him. Uh, he says, if, you, if, you, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. Because, because a child does what his father does, God loves Jesus. And so you, as children of God, would also love Jesus for I came from God and I'm here. And he's just making this line. To them, he says, there's something, here. Your, your, your window pane approach is bizarre. And he says, I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Oh, how many people do we know like that? I want to hear a word from the Bible when my family's in the hospital. I do not want to hear a word from the Bible when I said some nasty things to my wife. We pick and choose how we use the Bible. And when I construct something that is so strong and so locked in that my theology and the way that I live and I need the Bible to comfort everything that I think about everything, 
it's kind of rough when Jesus says, well, I'm just going to throw the Bible right through your window and break it. But that's what we need to be doing regularly. This is one of the big reasons why we have confession every week. It's, it's basically the window-breaking part of our service. Don't actually break the windows, but you get it. That's what we need to be doing because we can't all have this view of Jesus. I mean, there, there, are, there are churches in the area that'll let you pick whatever you want of Jesus and say, it's not the accuracy of your belief, it's just the fact that you believe. I believe in something, something higher than me, something wonderful for me. And I believe that that thing is gonna be okay with wherever I go. He loves me first and wherever I go. That's, that's not Christian faith. That's not the way to the king or to the kingdom. Now, before we roll our eyes at these first century Jews who are just exactly like us, I want to ask a couple questions. Sometimes we, we, we get stuck on issues that, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about, you know, when I'm sinning or, 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 or when I'm hurting, but I think it's even bigger than that. You know, sometimes we have this, this window pane of, of, that, that asks this question, if God's so good, why, why can't I catch a break? Those are tough questions. I think that's more than someone's sick and, they're not, and it's not turning the corner. Why can't I catch a break? If God is so passionate about saving the world, why doesn't, and I bet you could do it right now, why doesn't, insert their name, friend, family, someone, and you should be praying for them, why, doesn't they, why don't they believe? If he wants to save everyone, why not that person? Instantly. And, and how about this, this, this one? I, I admit that I'm bad, but how can Jesus save those people? Oftentimes, those people are just people who are different than us. Race, politics, ethnicity, wealth. Or even in their, their, their different struggle, uh, particular struggle with sin. God forgives the liars like me, but not the perverts. God forgives the gossips. God forgives the greedy, but the drunks. That's crazy. <laughs> That's not the gospel. That's not the true light. That's saying, come to my Jesus through this one small pane on the window and if you've ever seen someone try, if you ever seen someone try to crawl through a very small window, it's really awkward and it doesn't work. Why, why do we do that with one of the greatest gifts of all? We must get to the other side of the stained glass window. And I would suggest, as I have, that Jesus came into the world to break down our stained glass window. We need to go out from our spiritual safe fortress of religious systems, or maybe not even religious systems, maybe systems that you and I create and say, this person's good, that person's bad, this way's good, that, per that way's bad, I want to do this, this is my dream, and now rather than me align to your will, why don't you just bless mine? That's what we do. We need to be aware of that, and we need to call it out, and we need to see the true light. Go out of your religious sanctuary that you're blessing in God's name and look at the real light. Stained glass is beautiful, but the sun has power and warmth. See the true light. Hear the true word.
taste that he is good. I'm not talking about restarting your faith uh, or the faith that you once knew. I'm not saying like everyone reset. That's not it. Um, I'm talking about rightly receiving Jesus, the true light on his terms. I think that's exactly what our text is talking about here. Which is, which is maybe one of the things that we need to, need to always remember is that it's not just that, you know, on, on that nativity scene, it's not just at Christmas that he came down and he's there. It's amazing that the, that the, the, word, uh, the, the word word is used in reference to Jesus, but also in reference to Scripture. As he says, the word, the word came, and it was Jesus, but, but also he's ongoingly revealing himself to you. And so we could say, ah, yeah, pfft. Some of those shepherds didn't get it, or King Herod, my goodness, he missed it so badly. How did he miss it? Um, yeah, we do that every day when the Bible's sitting there with us. I'm not saying you have to read the Bible every day. I am saying it is your life will be so much better if you do. It's here. It's breaking down all of those, those panes, all of those, those windows. It's destroying the boxes because what I read of Jesus in here is more than I can handle, but it is more hope than I could ever will up on my own, in my own kingdom, when I want to be king. He came to his people, but they did not know him. So what do we have here? We have receive or know him on his terms, uh, receive him as true light, and our last point here, believe him and become a child of God. Believe him and become children of God. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now this is one, man, Bible readers, this is just juicy here. There's so much fun in this verse. There are these verses, there's so much richness here. So we're born, what is it? We believe in his name. In his name. So it's not just we believe Jesus. He's going to believe whatever he says. No, we believe in his name. What does this mean? In his name. It's, it's, it's his, um, oh, this is painfully reduced. It's his power, his promises, which are fulfilled, and his purpose. His power, his promises, and his purpose. I don't know. That's just a random definition of it. That's everything that's in his name. It's not just saying Jesus, son of Mary. Uh, there's so much in it. His whole reputation, what he's for, how he does this, what he means, what he has done. If we believe in this, if we believe in his name, then he gave right to all those who do this. He gives the right or the privilege to become children of God. Now, how do they become children of God? Verse 13 helps us. It says they become children of God by being born, and then there are three things he says, not of blood, which is literally of bloods, referring to a family tree, that is, not because you were born into and raised in a Christian home. You're not born again because of whatever you did just by nature of being born into a Christian family. That's not it. So if you've gone to church thinking, it's what my family does, if you, were, if you were born into that but never actually wrestled with the fact that Jesus is your Savior, not just the Savior of your parents who decided to go to church or just went to church because they felt they needed to, 
So he says, not born of blood, or bloods, not uh, born of the will of the flesh, that is, all the good things that you could possibly do, yeah, not checking all your philanthropy, your volunteering. That's why we give you excellent things like wassail and cookies to really kill that idea that maybe you're, you're getting something amazing. We give you really small trinkets of gratitude to you uh, because we, we understand that serving here is not that. We really want to make sure that people understand that, that, that serving is just something we do as part of a family, not as something we do to become children of God. Does that make sense? And they're not small trinkets. Sorry, staff, I think I just threw you under the bus. Um, I thought it was excellent, and I'm gonna, staff meeting will not be fun next time. Um, so, uh, you were born not of your heritage. You're not born of, of whatever you do. Nothing you do will be better than what bad you've done. And not by the will of man, simply because you close your eyes and really, really want it. Not because you just say, God, this sounds so good. I really, really, really want this. I want what's good. I want what's, what's awesome. I want healing. I want this. It says, but only, you will be born only by God. But those who believe in the name of Jesus and all that it is, the name of Jesus will be born of God. That is a spiritual rebirth that punishes your sin in Jesus and sees Christ's righteousness as your own, and then you are born as a new creature, as a new creation. It's not reconciling of accounts here. Christ does that, new birth. Now, I, I, I use that language. It's like so strange. There's so many images in this. I'm like, what is happening? We're not the only ones to think through this and ask questions of this. There's a, there's a Pharisee, or not a Pharisee, there's a, a, a Jewish religious guy, yeah, a Pharisee named, named Nicodemus. In chapter three, we get to this. And Nicodemus basically asks a question I'm gonna ask, like, what rebirth? That's weird. What are you talking about, Jesus? So that's in the Josh Casey version, that's actually Nicodemus's question. That's so weird. Why do you say it that way? Jesus replies to him, and he answers this question that, that I want to answer to us to ask, ask today. Is all of this sounds nice, and it sounds like I'm just doing a really nice job of just explaining what's going on in the text. But really, at the end of the day, I got to ask the question: Why do we even care about being a child of God? Like, like, why is this good? Why would I? Why would I do this? I can I can understand it, but why would I be a child of God? Why do I want that? And here's what Jesus says to him: Jesus says to Nicodemus. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, you can't even gaze on that thing that you want. We all want the kingdom. We all want peace. We all want safety and comfort and love and like that deep, real, biblical way of peace, the shalom, the completeness that sigh you get for a moment on Christmas vacation when you finally leave all your work, you have nothing barking at you, you turn off your phone and you're disciplined enough to not look at it for five minutes and then you say, I think there's more to life. <laughs> that kingdom, which I don't know if I even came close to describing it, you can't even see it unless you see Christ rightly on his terms. 
And then, uh, if you're noticing, then in verse 4, in between the two of those verses, Nicodemus says, yeah, what? That was weird. This born-again thing. And, and, John, or, and then and Jesus answers in verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can't even see it unless you are born again. You cannot enter it unless the Spirit is at work in you. And this is only done through faith. I mean, that's what John is saying, right? I, mean, I read that at the very beginning of the, of the, of the sermon here. In John 1, verse 6, there was a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. That's the entire point. It's through this faith that we can see and be part of that kingdom. And so I, I don't want to make this just like a... Sometimes it's really easy for people who have been Christians for a long time and gone to church for a long time to think, this is a great evangelistic sermon. I hope someone became a Christian. I fervently prayed before the service. I will be praying immediately after the service that that happens, that somebody in here has heard this or somebody online who listens to the podcast uh, uh, comes to a saving faith and grapples with Christ. But Christ isn't just for the unbelievers. He's for those of us who believe as well. Because if you think that everything's going to get better when you become a Christian, we're really good, insider, we're really good at buying boxes and making more boxes. And we have wonderful soldering irons for our stained glass windows. And we just keep doing this. this, You're not going to change. The devil will continue to prompt you through categories in God or viewing him as so many different religions do. Anything and everything, we'll just call it God as long as you want it. That's not it. It's uncomfortable, and that's kind of the point. We're broken, and we need fixed. And that process of healing, that process of aligning to God and his will has to happen every day. And so in that compartmentalization, I would encourage you. I mean, the applications are very easy here. Know, receive, believe. But in knowing, break down your boxes. Like Think about ways in which you have tried to make God answer a question that the Bible is not answering because there's no reason to answer it as specifically as you may want. I could give you a long list of questions I want to ask God when I get there because I cannot find a direct answer. But I don't think it's simply in the, in the world of ideas. I think in our lives, we need to break down our boxes as well. We need to see the light of Christ in every day. I think right now it's pretty easy to say we are gazing very, very intently at Scripture. We can have this in our hearts, whether we're reading it actively you know, while driving. Don't do that. But when you're driving, when you're doing your, uh, your work, you're answering emails, there is a way that the gospel spreads through everything. And I think that we need to have a little bit more preparedness as Christians, to not think that today is the holy day and then we move on to the everyday, that there is a heart of a worshiper that needs to go throughout every day, that our conversations are both, are both to be a gift of praise to God, but also an invitation to those around us to consider God. 
That's tough when you're doing job reviews. That's tough when you get a text or a phone call and we got someone in the hospital. It's even tougher when you've got a long relationship of not doing that and you have to redefine the terms of engagement with your neighbor or your coworker or even in your own home. We're not doing this as good as we could. We're not, we're not, we're not actually focusing on feeding our children with the word of God and if we don't feed them with the word of God, they're going to be fed. We're just not sure what kind of tree they're going to grow up into. This is, this is hard. But I think Jesus comes to show us that the end result of that is so much better. And we can labor for that. So know him. Break down your boxes. Receive him. Break down your windows. Seek clarity in his word. Don't get interpretations. It's great to get commentaries, to get other books and whatever, but, but what's best is, is the Holy Spirit helping you to understand the word of God. And so get into the word of God. Get into the Bible. I mean, one way I do that, I mean, I always say this. I don't know if this is the greatest way. Read the book of John and just ask the question, what did, who does Jesus say he is? And what does that mean? If he really is that, if he really is the only way, truth, and life, if he really is the resurrection, what does that actually mean for me? I mean, those are big things. What does he do? What's his, what's his heart towards people? How does he interact with people? Just study him as a person. There, uh, we're going to be having uh, here, uh, I think starting in February, we'll have a uh, equipping hour class. Our equipping hour now will be moving to, um, to 10.30, 10.45. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be starting that. Uh, after the services, we're going to do five weeks uh, in, it's going to be a kind of Bible study methods, more or less. Just how do we read this aspect of Scripture? How do we do this kind of a thing? We're going to be looking a lot into the book of Ephesians, because we'll be in the book of Ephesians. But if you've ever thought, like, I don't even know what I'm doing when I open this up. The wording is so weird. I'll be honest, it is weird. <laughs> like, it's not you. It's written at a different time, and old writing is usually kind of awkward. But there are things that we can learn, and there, there are very simple ways to read the Bible on its terms that just bring about a whole new, vast sense of resources. So be looking for that. It'll be a, 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 an equipping hour uh, on Ephesians, looking at how we read the Bible rightly on its terms. Uh, do this in community. Uh, strain for the light. Look to see that in community rather than through your stained glass at community groups are a great way to do this, to get together and talk through what do you see here? What is actually being said in the text here? Uh, there's another opportunity. Sometimes if it's not you learning, it's you teaching, and you, obvious, you, you, you always learn more when you're teaching. Uh, Dan Dickel is, is heading up a thing on Thursday, um, uh, Thursday evenings here starting uh, January 16th. Um, where we're going to be doing a Bible study here at the North Campus for Hope House, kind of a, a transitional uh, living uh, housing. And so we'll be, we'll be shuttling people up here or there. Two or three more people would make that go incredibly well. And you get to be there and hear questions that you might not be asking and figure out how is the Bible answering these questions. And those are great ways to get that. Know, know him, receive him, and believe him. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not strategies for living it's faith for life. Know that you might receive him, believe in him, that you might live eternally. This is something I want. This kind of king, this kind of kingdom is something that I want to be a part of. And this is why we have all of these candles of hope, of joy, of love, of peace, 
because we're celebrating that Christ is that. Prophet Zechariah, in Zechariah 9.9, he says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Let's pray and plead for God for this salvation and thank God for his kingdom. God, our heavenly Father and King, you are great beyond measure. You are great beyond words. You have created your kingdom. You are, you are, you are ongoingly creating your kingdom as many come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, our King. Thank you for this. This story is true and is so far beyond what we can even comprehend. Thank you that you allow us even to peek in at some of what you're doing. It's huge and it's wonderful. I pray that you would convict each of us to further our faith, our devotion, our confidence in you. That if we don't believe in Jesus Christ, if we've never settled the fact that we are sinners, and that Christ has died for our individual sins, as well as those of many, I pray that you would convict uh, those of us here toward faith, toward believing in his name. And those of us who have been walking with Christ for years, I pray that you would convict us of the dust on our religious shelves. Give it a good dusting that we would not settle in what we knew once, but be ongoingly transformed by the renewing of our minds. Thank you for this gift. Your word is so wonderful and beautiful and pointed and true. Thank you most that your word is true. Amen.